Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Nächster Halt, Schlumpf. Übergang zur U2. Ausstieg links. And Hello, Ned. Yes. Where are you? Yes, that's exactly what I wanted you to ask me, because that sound you've just heard, David, was the, um, was the, uh, an, a, a sneaky little recording I made of the announcement on the, uh, uh, the U3 network in Hamburg, announcing that the next station um, in line The one we're just approaching is the station called Schlump, which I think is one of the best names for any railway station in the world. And it was um, throughout my years in Hamburg, which is where I am, uh, I used to pass through Schlump on a daily basis because I had a lot of friends who lived near Schlump. So I am in Hamburg retracing my past, David, and because uh, I lived there in the early 90s and I'm having an emotional time. It's brilliant. Sounds yeah. like you were like the Beatles. I was like the Beatles. Yeah. 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 And this is, you're at Cambridge University, then you decided to leave and go to Hamburg and be a forklift driver. For, yeah. Well, uh, no, that was in Munich. That was before I went to uh, university. Munich, Hamburg. No, in Hamburg, okay. I just, in Hamburg, I just asked around for about four or five years. Um, I used to dub cartoons. I used to do voiceover work, dubbing cartoons. I think we may have spoken about this in the past, but I also used to, um, I used to do occasional little acting jobs. And uh, other bits and pieces. Uh, so just messing around in this fantastic city that has got absolutely everything. I just came here and I, it's changed so little since in the sort of intervening 25 years since I, since I left, 25, 30 years. And um, it's just a wonderful city. It's got these canals. It's got these lakes. It's got this fantastic uh, bustling port, one of the most important ports in the world, which seems to grow in importance every single time. I come here. And one of the most spectacular things you can ever do in Hamburg is get a guided trip on a boat around, around this absolutely labyrinthine port with these vast container ships from China that dock up there on a daily basis. And you kind of go in a tiny boat alongside them and just see this kind of cliff face of a container ship really up close. Um, And it's got a great big, it's, it's quite a wealthy suburbs, but it's got a lot of quite run down stuff. It's got some really grungy suburbs, which still haven't changed. And they're exactly as interesting and as vibrant as they were. Really interesting, kind of diverse community. And it's just one of my favorite places in the world. And I'm in Hamburg, but just for one night, because tomorrow I move on. And and with this, Ned, it's just it's something that I guess some of our, our um, loyal listeners will know that you're quite a germophile. I am. Is that what the word? Germophile? Oh, yeah, I you are a germophile. It's a word. I don't yeah. know if it's an actual word, but it's a word I understand. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of Germany. You know, that like, like, like every country and every civilization and population, they don't get everything right. So they get an awful lot of stuff wrong. Mm. But, you know, name me a country that that's not, that's not the case in. But, you know, I, 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 
I enjoyed in my early twenties. I enjoyed living here and, like you did, David, at a similar age, fully immersing myself in a completely uh, a foreign language and a culture that became ultimately to feel like home. You know, I really kind of, mm. I feel very, very at home here. And it's nice that work has offered me the opportunity once again to come to Germany. Um, I'm here actually for a week because I'm going to head, head off from Hamburg tomorrow, uh, along with a whole bunch of French um, people from ASO um, who own the Deutschland tour. And I'm going to be commentating mm. on the Deutschland tour, as I think our, our listeners, if you've been paying attention, as, as, as they might realise. Yeah. Is, is this some, um, is the Deutschland tour, that it kind of kicked off again recently, but it, has it been off the calendar for a few years? Because even I'm like, I can't remember if it's been yeah, off Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, well, we'll come on to talk about Deutschland tour a little bit in the, later on the pod, but you're absolutely right. It's had kind of a bit of a stop-start history. I think it, it ran for about 10 years um, and um, Jens Vocht kept winning it. And all that sort of thing. Mm, do, I you that, you yeah. must have raced it back in those years. I, I never imagine. did it. Did never you not? Did it. No, okay. I, I didn't race after Tour de France until the Volta. That was my MO. Right. And that then, kind of, and then yeah. I think Linus Gerdeman was the last winner in 2008. Ooh. And then it disappeared for 10 years. Um, I think probably coincided with the, the, the aftershocks of the Jan Ulrich, you know, um, uh, Eric Zabel kind of admissions and all that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, they, they, t- they took it really personally. They took it but, seriously personally, uh, yeah. But with this, um, has it reminded you, because there's something that Mikkel, who's here, I'm, I'm hearing Jonas Mikkel, my Danish friend, who I work with Chapter 3 yeah. on, uh, he said that the Germans are like the Danes, but with a sense of humour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, like a da- that's like a Danish saying. Well, you know, culturally, we're very close to Denmark here in Hamburg. I mean, th- there's a little bit of Hamburg that right up until the, I think I'm right in saying the 19th century, possibly even into the 20th century, belonged to Denmark. <laughs> so, um, we're, we're, you know, we're, north of Hamburg is Schleswig-Holstein, which is disputed territory. So the Danish, a section of Danish politicians, um, political class claim Schleswig-Holstein as Denmark. And of course, that, so there's a bit of a kind of separatist movement north of here. So yeah, I think, I think the Danes and, and particularly the North Germans in Hamburg, who have, they have much more in common than North Germans would have with Bavarians. And the race actually is going to finish in, in Bavaria. But um, so we're going to be we're going to be podcasting, David, every day, aren't we? From from the Deutschland yeah, tour, we're going to be doing a, a daily um, Deutschland. It's not it's not going to be called the Never Schmetterling. Well, is it? well, well. I'll come on to what it's going to be called. But we had a very interesting contribution um, uh, about about the whole naming rights because people are very very invested. Our our listeners are heartningly invested in um, what it is with, that we call all these various iterations of the of the podcast. And um, uh, I'm just going to get the guy's name right. Jan Schmidt Tuchen. And I think that's how he pronounces his name, who actually lives in Hamburg. For all I know, he might be in the room next door to me here. Um, Jan sent us uh, to our email address, hiwtyj at gmail.com. Um, <laughs> he sent us this uh, little thing, imploring us to call our Deutschland strand Never Strays Schmetterling. <laughs> Das Herz von St. Pauli, das ist meine Heimat in Hamburg, da bin ich zu Hause. Moin Ned, hi David, although 
Matt might have even preferred a message in German um, coming to you in hopefully good enough English to make sure we don't exclude anybody here. I'm dropping these lines to encourage you guys to name a podcast for this year's Deutschland Tour Never Strays Schmetterling for a reason you might not have heard of yet, but I'm sure you'll love. Especially as you're starting to discover new sports these days, such as cricket. I'd like to draw your attention to ladies' volleyball in Germany. Now, my native and your beloved language of German not only holds the highly beautiful word Schmetterling for butterfly or Fafale, but the verb Schmettern also is the technical term when you spike the ball in a game of volleyball. So, as the players schmetter a lot in volleyball, the nickname of the German ladies' national team has become Schmetterlinge. Now, bringing this to a full circle, the epicenter of ladies' volleyball in Germany and the city where most of the national team's players plus the coach are or have been based is Schwerin. And you know where the opening stage of this year's Deutschland Tour finishes. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, you're gonna miss the Schmetterlinge in Schwerin as they just headed off to the European Championships. But a Schmetterlinge surely always being loved in Schwerin. Thanks, guys, for all the great podcasting and all the best from your former residency, Hamburg. Well, there you go, David. Um, in Schwerin, there is a team of athletes called Die Schmetterlinge. And, um, uh, and that was a really interesting contribution from, from Jan. But I have to break news to Jan that we're not going to call it Never Stray Schmetterling, are we? What, what are, I've already forgotten what we're going to call it. <laughs> well, <'cause> we, <laughs> it was, well uh, I'd, I'd already committed to calling it Never Stray Schmetterling because I thought it was a nice throwback to the whole Farfalle butterfly thing and all that kind of thing. And also the joke. Do you remember the joke that kickstarted the, jokes, the whole the, thing? The, greatest, the, the joke's the greatest joke ever. With the punchline? You can't. You remember? I'll just yeah, do the punchline, yeah? And what yeah. is wrong with Schmetterling? <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Um, that everyone remembers that joke, and I'm sure you're all rolling in the aisles when you think back to it. But I thought so. I thought it's quite a nice throwback to the Farfalle idea, the Schmetterling idea in Germany. But then uh, we had a lot of people on Twitter, and by a lot, I mean three, who all came, who all came up, independent of one another, I guess, with the suggestion that, in fact, saying there is no question that you must call your Germany strand never strays Farad. Farad. The point being, Farad. A Farad is a uh, is a bicycle in German, as I'm sure you know. Huh. So, f- and it sounds like Farage. And well, it sounds a bit like Farage. It sounds like Far, doesn't it? Which is, if you remember, yeah. the actual title yeah. of our podcast. I oh, can't. Yeah, I can't be. remember why, David. I can't remember why we called our podcast "Never Strays Far." Uh, because in commentary, when we decided to pod for the first time, we wanted to make a conscious effort not to talk too much about cycling because that's all we did at the time. And so we thought, well, actually, we enjoy talking about the periphery things that cycling introduces us to. And yet we love cycling. So why don't we never stray far from cycling that's right. yet call the podcast never strays far? 
Oh, yeah. It just seems... Because we've layered... We've thrown on so many layers of confusion on top of it. I'd, mm. I'd forgotten the origins of it, but... Um, we're, we're terrible at brand. We're ter- <laughs> terrible at brand. And, and we're also terrible at advertising. And yeah. so that's why we've got Ross here. Yeah. Who, Ross works with Chapter 3. Yeah, yeah, Hello. yeah. Yeah. Hey, and, this is a live guest. This is great. So you guys have been hatching a kind of marketing plan of sorts, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, a marketing plan. Uh, it, it, it takes the form of a code. Uh, I'd love to jazz it up a bit more than that, but at the moment, it, it, it's a it's a code. Okay. Um, so in our in our WhatsApp group, there's been like a, a literally like a almost like a screenplay, like a script, like a, a kind of little theatrical setting has been sort of shared. And and I think are you guys going to p- perform? I don't know. If perform is the right word. Are you gonna are you gonna perform? <laughs> So just just to put this in context, context. So Ross is he runs our e-commerce and social media. He's marketing. He's creative. Okay. Um, but he's also an award winner. It's it's true. I I, I can claim to be an award winning broadcaster. Seriously. <laughs> now it's probably for the best if I don't go into too much detail as to what that award was. Um, it was voted by my peers at university. Uh, you, you're, you're talking to the, the winner of the non-music show winner of the year on URF, URF 2018. Oh, that's, 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 that's about as good as it gets in that particular category. <laughs> <laughs> Up to 10 people voted on it. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's, so, that, so, yeah, go on. So Ross, look, look, Nez, Nez, Nez lost for words. I've, I've, that was such <laughs> oh, yeah. a sort of, um, I would say, flawless link and uh, bombshell to drop that it's actually distorted the internet connection yeah. uh, that we're running on. <laughs> it can't quite handle the truth. <laughs> Too much information. So the point right, of this well, I'm is, looking, I'm looking so for, yeah, Ross I'm looking is going to explain. Thing. Go on. Yeah, go on. <laughs> what, why don't you just launch straight into it, guys? Well, for the time being, we, we do have uh, sort of a little, as I like that you called it a screenplay, I guess it's, it's a little, well, since we're talking about the, the Vuelta Espana, I guess it's like a telenovela, um, an advertorial telenovela that we're going to play out. Um, but that's coming soon because uh, in the distant future, not in the near future, sorry, we've got a very exciting competition for listeners of Never Strays Far. Um, we've teamed yep. up with some of our favorite cycling-related brands, such as Lacquer. Yep. Vermouteria in London, Ruler, yourselves, the Roadbook, us at Chapter Three, um, to bring like an incredible grand prize, uh, and we're going to be asking people to sign up to the newsletter in due course when we reveal all very soon. But for the time being, uh, we're offering lucky listeners to this podcast twenty percent off on Chapter Three and the Roadbook by using the simple code NSF on site. That's NSF. So if you apply that code at checkout. Uh, from now until the end of the tour of Britain, you can get 20% off any order from, from the roadbook.co.uk or chapter3.com. Wow. Now, there you go. G- given that you've already said all of that, I'm intrigued as to what you're g- now going to go on to say. <laughs> no, no, that's it. Oh, is that it's it? Done. Is that it? That was the point, yeah. Oh, okay. No, no, the, that's what he said. The, 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 the play, the screenplay will be later when we have more information on, oh, on, on things. <laughs> No, that, that was that was pure seat of the pants improv. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I was going to say I'll cut that bit out, but again, I can't be asked, so uh, I'm not going to cut that bit out. <laughs> let's just reveal the workings of how this uh, all all falls apart or comes together. That was a right, lot of 
that's behind the magician's curtain. It was, it was. That's brilliant, though, Ross. Thank you very much. So, twenty percent off NSF is the code. That's uh, that's that's magnificent. And by the way, David, um, w- w- while we uh, while we talking about the subject of Schmetterling and Farad, you've heard Perry's latest addition to our to oh. our. Well, I've I've played it. I've played it to Ross as well, and I and the the whole office here, and so, everyone's just in awe. So it, this is amazing. So as of um, our next podcast, which I think will be Thursday morning, won't it? Which is stage one of the yes. Deutschland tour, Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to be changing just for four on four unique occasions as we wrap up the Deutschland tour. We're going to be we're going to be fusing the sounds of Spain, which you heard at the beginning of this podcast, with um, the sounds of Germany, represented by an umpar kind of sousaphone tuba effect and uh, various other bits and pieces. And I asked Perry to fuse together Bavarian folk music and uh, the flamenco, and uh, he's produced this bespoke uh, theme tune for Never Strays Fahrrad. Yeah, that's some uh, that's some of his finest work, David, isn't it? That is absolutely uh, belting. You know, I think I, I'll be honest with you. I think we're. I'll be honest with you. I think we're getting the best out of him. <laughs> I, I think you know we're, we're taking him to a whole new level of uh, weird weirdness. Perry came around for a barbecue yesterday afternoon at my house, and um, we, yeah, we had they, they arrived, he arrived at, while the Vuelta was still going on, and I had the Vuelta on on my being projected on my wall, huge, great nice. live Vuelta thing, and I'd taken the colour out of it, so I'd made the projector black and white, and then I'd put on um, the Grand Canyon Suite, uh, so it had an orchestral <laughs> score, and I just turned the whole thing into an art house production, which had which which had the um, the great benefit of being hugely entertaining, but it had the huge disadvantage of me not knowing what the hell was going on in the bike race. <laughs> so I, <laughs> Once again. I, I still don't know what I I still don't know what's going on. I I I I don't know anything that's happened. You don't know anything's happened. Okay, well let's wrap it up a little bit. So we've got to the first rest day. Today is the first rest day of the Vuelta, and it has been actually. Um, I think Ross might have put out just before we started recording a little bit of a call to arms on social media, didn't he? About um, w- has anyone got any questions about the Vuelta that they want us raise? Want to raise? And we did have a couple of responses. I'm just calling them up um, because they play to the same theme, which probably needs um, addressing. And it was, I think, Jason. Yeah, Jason Good who asked first off, why does the Vuelta seem so much less compelling than Le Tour? We'll deal with that in a second. Um, Taryn uh, Strong said, I think Roglic, uh, it looks like Roglic is being very smart with his efforts. He seems to be conserving energy and only doing what he needs to. I also think the Jumbo Visma team are doing the same, holding something back. Would you agree? Well, I don't know whether David would agree or disagree because he hasn't seen, <laughs> hasn't seen any of it. <laughs> and the final, the final thing here is... Uh, uh, slightly less relevant, but thoughts on Super Sapiens glucose meter applied in cycling with so many new ways. Number oh. there, yeah, gone. Oh, I, talk I, about I, that? I got an I got an opinion on that one straight away because yep. I went to get a coffee this morning in Drona uh, at Espresso brilliant? Mafia, Christian Meyer's place, and there it was a classic Girona scene: a suitcase out the front, uh, a bike packed up, and a, a rider's name on this thing. But the rider's name wasn't a pro rider. It was Mio, M-E-O. Yeah. And I think he's the son of Andrew Andrew Mio, who runs the coffee com- coffee machine company Rocket. Okay. And 
so anyway, convoluted. But I was like, oh, that must be a son. I should probably say hello, but I'm quite antisocial, so I didn't say hello. But what I did see while I was waiting for him, he had this big thing stuck in his arm, which was a super sapiens thing for sure. And I was like, wow, that's weird. It's you've, you never leave it now. It's just you're always following your body and there's no, you don't go and feel, you're just on your screen checking what your body's doing. So I, I, mm. I kind of not so sure how I feel about that because it never leaves you. Mm. And it's just, uh, so that's, that's my opinion on that one if, if that was what was asked of me. What? But um, I think it's a very clever I, I'm tech, really glad you, I'm really, not. I, Really glad you had something to say about that because I didn't really. So uh, I hope that I hope that's dealt yeah. at least to some extent with that question. But most of the questions, and we've had a couple more in, uh, from. So Kenny, Kenny says, can Ineos lay a glove on Roglic in the general classification? If you think they can, how can they do it? And um, someone else says, David Goggins says, with Hater and Pidcock doing so well outside of the Ineos's Grand Tour machine, how can Brailsford shoehorn them into sitting on the front and act like we're winning tactics without them getting bored and leaving the team? So actually, there's a kind of there's a bit of a theme uh, around this in in the race, David. Basically, to summarise the general classification race, Roglic has got it won, <laughs> and he had it. Yeah, won. he had it, he had it won on on you know after his victory on the individual time trial of stage one, and he's not put a foot wrong so far, and they've all been dropping away. Now, including the Ineos triumvirate of Carapaz, Bernal, and and Adam Yates are all over a minute down on GC now. Mm. Um, so rather than gaining time on him, they're losing time. Um, and the can only- we can instead of your your negative, and I say that with with the best one in the world view of Roglic. Mm. Oh, I don't know. I'm not being is, negative. I mean, I'm not being negative. Well, I don't. I didn't want to sound negative. I mean, there are two things in play here. One is um, he's doing a phenomenal job at this bike race against some of the best in the world. Mm. And, and if he goes on to win in the style with which he's approached the first half of the race, uh, it'll be the arguably the, the greatest of his three Vuelta victories. But um, wasn't it indis- but, uh, undisputably uh, the case? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think with hindsight and looking back what he's doing, he's so good at coming back. Cause, and also we kind of often ask at Grand Tours after a crash because the riders just get back on their bikes and you think, well, they got back on, they must be fine. We saw what happened to Geraint, we saw Roglic stopped and you think, uh, maybe it was also mental. But actually, then he's gone away, recovered and won the Olympic time trial. And you think, well, that's amazing. So the, what I'm trying to say is, I guess, is that he's got a very good way of weathering storms, Roglic. And yet we, then he turns up and he's at his best and it's like the Iceman cometh. You're like, oh, here you go. It's boring. It's kind of, he's going to win. But actually he kind of does create adversity for himself, but there's nothing romantic about him. It's just like crashes, goes home, comes back, wins or loses in the most dramatic fashion at the 2020 Tour de France, comes back, and yeah. then then it all falls apart again. It's, it's, it's really interesting. and yeah. But then to go back to the first part of that question with Brailsford and, and Pidcock and all those guys, uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do there. I think they're stuck between a rock and a hard place, between kind of the expectations and the, the, the expectations of the investments in the team and the the weight of history and then the reality of the situation is that they're probably never going to have as much money as they do now in the future. The, they don't have the, the upper hand 
in in knowledge and drive and tech and uh kind of and so now all of a sudden everyone's caught up to them they set, they they created a new playing field and everyone's playing on the same field now and they can't match them um so i don't know i don't know what they're going to do but pickcock i think seems pretty robust he'll he'll be fine in whatever team he goes to i think yeah 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 um did, did you pick up david on ethan hater cuz i think last time we recorded a podcast you were raving yes, about hater won. weren't you um yeah 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 i mean he won he won actually big i don't know cuz so just because um cuz ross is still sitting here he might know more about ethan hater because he's london what do you know about Ethan well, Hater? I don't know a lot about his uh, sort of, I don't know him personally, but I've been following his career. Obviously, he's had a, a, like an astonishingly, probably actually quite a quietly successful career on the track, uh, obviously, because attention sort of falls away from the track team before the Olympics. It's the nature of Olympic cycles. But um, I used to work in a bike shop in South London that you may be uh, aware of, Ned, um, Cadence uh, in Crystal Palace. Oh, yeah, down in Crystal and, Palace. Um, yep, yep. I know that. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Ethan Hayter, this must have been in 2015, so I, he can't have been more than 15 or 16. He used to come in and do his homework, mm. like, in the cafe mm. uh, after school when, when we were sort of, like, closing up and stuff. And this was on the evening they used to run the uh, – well, they still do. They run the Crystal Palace Crits. This is if he's 15 or 16 years old. He used to come in, do his homework, and then kind of put a number on and put an entire – London's best amateur cyclist just put them to the sword. And you're like, yeah, this kid looks pretty special. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean Ethan, Ethan, Ethan Hater, and um, Ethan Hater and Fred Wright were soulmates. You know, very, very similar in age, almost identical in age. Uh, their entire education at Velo Club Londres was was together in parallel. They matched each other. One beat the other. You know, they kind of inspired each other, pushed each other on, and then you know turned pro basically at some. Um, at, at exactly the same time on different teams and and you know their paths have started to diverge now as fred is obviously you know he raced the tour de france this year for bar and victorious didn't he but uh ethan um ethan has has turned into a more regular winner you know he's 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 really becoming a winner now isn't he across and i think david you made the point uh, uh, across a huge range of different terrains and sort of yeah. bike races and you know track to road it's it's quite incredible and by the I, way i, I um, keep saying i keep seeing his results pop up and yeah. every time i'm surprised yeah and by it's, the by, by the way his his housemate his housemate mate and the the um fellow track rider from tokyo as well matt walls um won the final stage in norway um in a bunch sprint beating um mike turnison mars pedersen Alexander Christoph, to name a few. So, I mean, Matt Walls is another name that he rides for Baller Handscore as a trade team that we need to reckon with now as well. It's absolutely incredible. Can I? Can I? Can I give full disclosure? I think I did this already. I never heard of him before he won the. I think, or got silver in the Omnium. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's fair enough. Which, not to well, maybe not if you earn your yeah. living as a cycling journalist. <laughs> but um, but but uh, certainly on a podcast for which you don't get paid. I think it's um, I think it's perfectly acceptable not to have heard of Matt Walls, but you've <laughs> you've heard of him now. You've heard of him now. Anyway, uh, going back to the Vuelta, um, the mm. there have been some, you know, it's the, the general feeling I think is it's not been very interesting. I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm seeing it on social. I think one of the reasons I'm not chipping in because there's. Uh, 
there's negativity on it. And also, I was not doing IT. ITV is really strange because we've been doing it for five years, mm. commentating on that race. And you know how much I love it. And there are years where I kind of, you always find the good things. But then we're not on it. And then other broadcasters are getting critiqued because no one really takes it seriously. And then it's almost as if the vault has become really kind of underproduced by everybody. Yeah. And I don't know, it seems a bit sad because I love the race. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. I feel slightly sort of reluctant to criticise this edition because it, it might sound like sour grapes or whatever, but it really shouldn't be. I just think it's a, I just think, I think it may all change in the next week, actually. The middle week might be fantastic. There are, there are only hilly stages and mountain stages. Um, what we haven't had, we, it's been very formulaic. We've had a really quite uneventful individual time trial. We've had four bona fide flat stages in which the wind didn't blow or affect the race, which is just bad luck on the part of the the, um, the organisation because they clearly rooted it with that in mind. Do you want to hear, <laughs> I sat here in our office with Ross just praying for crosswinds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, I don't, I can't think of a, a ra- I think, I don't know for sure, but it feels like they planned the route thinking those, uh, was it stage four and five, those two sprint stages across like the middle of Spain. They were like, yeah, this is going to be some prime crosswind action. And it just didn't blow the entire time. And they were sat there like, it, it'll come, it'll come, oh, pl- please, please, yeah. please come. But it's actually, I was thinking about that, you know, because 100% they, they planned it with that in mind. But, you know, it's always a bit of a calculated risk, isn't it? Because if it backfires, you're left with a very, very, you know, tr- mundane looking stage. But actually, I was trying to think all three grand tours to date, I know the Vuelta's not finished. But I think the only, am I right in thinking the only crosswinds action we've had was that day where Ghana ripped it up at the, at the Giro. After David had said yeah. loud and proud yeah. that there are never any crosswinds at the Giro d'Italia, and actually, I think I think that might be almost the only the only example of the race being ex- yeah. you know exploited in that fashion. But that- there's an there's an there's an outlying situation there. Go on, Ghana. Yeah, Ghana. So Ghana created the crosswinds. Yeah, <laughs> the weather didn't. The peloton didn't. It was Ghana. That created the crosswinds. So the ferocity of his uh, pedal stroke actually changed, caused a change in air pressure. That, that's, 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 that's quite that's possible. I, I, but I wonder whether, yeah, but I wonder whether there's something in this because it's not as if we haven't had days like 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 you've referred to Ross in the, in the Vuelta where there has been crosswinds, but they haven't been actually taken on and exploited. I wonder whether something's going on internally in the peloton that means people are fighting shy of actually risking risking mm. riding in the crosswinds. I, I think know. that's a very good point. That's a very good point, Ned. I think it's, I think especially after the Tour de France and it's been a weird 18 months and the racing is so intense every time. The pe- as we've always discussed, Ned, and you now understand as well, the peloton decides. The peloton decides. The weather doesn't decide. Yeah. The peloton decides. But yeah. which team at the Vuelta at the moment would want to be, because there has to be a team that sort of decides we're going to put this in the gutter. And usually a lot of the time that's quick step, but they've got... Uh, Fabio Jakobsen, and they knew that he was going to be the favourite for the sprint anyway if it stays together. So there's not really a need to break it apart. And yeah. know, Jumbo are pretty safe in the knowledge that Roglic is probably the strongest rider at the race. They don't really need to put anyone else to the sword. And and also, and we, we talked about this during the Giro d'Italia, a lot of the teams at the Vuelta aren't built for um, riding in the crosswinds. They're, the riders who who do that, the specialist riders, are not there particularly at the, at the Vuelta from Ghana downwards, you know. 
And if they are there, they're using it as their preemptive training for spring next year. Yeah, really? So they're kind of, yes, they go there just to get a, a huge workload in. Wow. Wow. Don't really want to try. And they come out and then they yeah. start training. Yeah. And kind yeah. of getting ready to to rip the world's pieces in late January. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So there we go. So that we've had the, um, we've had the, uh, uh, yeah, we've had four. Uh, Ned, we've, Ned. Yeah, go on. Can yeah. I, yeah, um, can I ask you what uh, what happened to Yates and Carthy? Carthy climbed off. Um, he'd lost time. Funnily <laughs> enough, uh, he'd he'd lost time. In funnily enough, having said there were no crosswinds, there were. <laughs> um, uh, I, I I just didn't see it on that particular occasion. I'm not even sure the cameras caught it. But Carthy, Carthy, so the tree got, falls. Well, Car- yeah, Carthy got got dropped off the back of the main group a few days ago and lost yeah. a bit of time. And then I think he just got a bit unwell, right? And climbed off. I, don't I think some, because you were saying just after kind of, somebody crash? said that, that he got, didn't really kind of want, that, I think there's a report saying that maybe it's even Jonathan Vorses. I'm literally floating facts here. <laughs> that, that maybe he, the stress of being leadership isn't something he likes. Oh, now, please, as a floating fact, that's probably just a soundbite or mm. a, a glimpse I've seen. Okay. It I, sounds I, like sort of thing, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Ross is looking. Yeah. Any- uh, according to uh, valuable and trusted internet-based yeah. sources, uh, there was no quote from the rider or the team. Okay. Uh, right. So yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's up in the air. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Me, in the meantime, in the meantime, Yates, Adam Yates, seems to have been emerging in the two big summit summit finishes that we've had so far at the Vuelta. Seems to be emerging as the strongest climber for the Ineos Grenadiers. Yeah. Uh, but at the moment, they're going to have a job on their hands, even to finish on the podium, because um, it's got the look of Movistar about it with Enric Mas uh, in second place. He's within oh. thirty seconds of um, of Roglic still, so he's going to give. Oh, Moby's- you know, and Miguel Angel Lopez is is uh, has got a good chance of finishing on the podium. So it'd be interesting to see how that can goes. we can we can we talk about Alejandro? Yes, let's talk about Alejandro. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah because brutal. Uh, that, that was something because he was in fourth in GC, and I didn't. I haven't even gone. Don't tend. I tend not to look go and look back at crashes, but yeah. for him to have a crash, that's fair. Come out and then and then say no, then get back on the bike and oh, then yeah. come off and cry. Yeah, it was extraordinary. And you think, wow. Yeah. That's extraordinary. Actually, Alejandro you're right, Valverde. David. That was the that was the moment of the Vuelta so far. That's the outstanding yeah. memory of 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 the race so far. Mm. I mean, he, Valverde came quite close to disaster on that crash. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody the following day didn't they filmed and posted online a, a, a little video of a, a, approaching that corner and actually looking over the edge and seeing what Valverde could have ended up um, dropping into. It was a chasm. Yeah. I mean, he was extremely lucky. And I, I think whatever damage he did to himself, was it a collarbone or, or whatever it was, or ribs or whatever, whatever damage, I think it, the, the, the damage to his mental state was just, as, um, was just as severe in that moment because he was shook up. He was really shook up. I mean, he could have lost his yeah, life there, I th- you know. I, I think you're right. And I think when he's got to that, he's been doing it so long and he's such a brilliant racer, even, and all his history and different things. The bottom line is everyone respects him as being a great racer mm. and to have that moment. And he's got to this age and he's, he's ripping up the rule book. The fact he's 41 and kind of doing this. And so he was fourth on GC when that crash happened yeah. at 41 and, and then going and it, it might've been, if he came back up and he wasn't severely injured and came that close, 
he'd probably sit up there and go and sh- proper shock. Mm. It's like, why am I doing this? Yeah. And that's in after 20, cause he turned pro when he's 19, 20 and it, like over half his adult life, 22 years, 22 yeah. years being pro. Yeah. That's the first time he's had a near death experience. Yeah. And that's probably when he kind of got off his bike a little bit down the road and cried, it was probably more, <sighs> yeah. maybe I'm getting too old for this. Yeah. Yeah. It was an amazing, yeah. I mean, very often the, the way in which these, I mean, so many incidents like this in a bike race simply don't ever get covered either by photographers or journalists, mm. or they just happen in, in a void. But, you know, because he's Valverde, the Spanish television cameras were very much paying him close attention as he tried to get back on. And because he had a camera on him, from the helicopter, that shot of him, you know, just through the trees, standing at the side of the road, uh, collapsed with, I think he'd taken his helmet off at this point, and he was just being c- cuddled by, um, uh, what's the name of the big um, Movistar DS? Chente. Yes. Is it Chente? Yeah, I think it's Chente. Chente Garcia. Chente was, the, yeah. was there with him. And, and, and it, was a, it was a very, very powerful image. You're, yeah, mm. striking. Really was. Mm. Um, so there we go. And then so Fabio Jakobsen and um, Jasper Philipsen have been divvying up the sprints. There have been four sprints and they've, um, they've won two each. Let's just have a look, see how many more opportunities they get to sprint, actually, because I, uh, I think it was very front-loaded in terms, of, in terms of sort of sprinters' opportunities. I think they may have one sprint on stage 13 in the middle of next week and then one at the beginning of the final um, week. But then there's no Madrid finale so they've probably only got two more opportunities to sprint those two Jakobsen and uh, and Philipson but they put on a good show but they they are head and shoulders better than everybody else in that bike race including surprisingly Arno Demar who yeah but David Enric going back to Movistar briefly and Enric Mass is the only credible sort of uh, opponent left for Primoz Roglic to dispose of um, and if the time gap is still the same going into the final individual time trial, Roglic will dispose of him. I mean, he'll put minutes into him potentially on that final time trial. Um, but going back to Mass, I wonder if Mass's um, morale and just all round sense of self and um, and the resultant form that can emerge has been boosted because of uh, the fact that Mark Soler is moving on um, to UAE Team Emirates. And yeah. if you look at their roster of riders, yeah. then, um, uh, you know, Mass, Mass is their main man going into next year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Henry Mass is kind of, this will be a liberation for him, kind of with uh, those in-between people and even with what's happened with Valverde. And he is kind of, he is a an outlier and Movistar is quite a strange team to, to find dominance within. And this is his opportunity it's uh, but let's see. I mean, he might kind of be using this to, to go to another team because normally Movistar isn't the team you go to 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 win the biggest races. It's a team you go for a healthy career uh, if you're Spanish. <laughs> so yeah, it's like one of those ones. Yeah, yeah. Can I give you a little bit of a preview for the Deutschland tour? Would you be interested? Yes, in you that? can. I, I'd love it. I'll listen. Um, I've got to go. I've got to go fairly soon as well. But I can wrap it up. It's not a long race. I can wrap it up pretty quickly, right? Go for it. Okay, it starts on the Baltic. It starts in Stralsund. And it's um, right next to, right opposite a little strait of water, uh, on the coast of a little strip of water, right opposite the island of Rügen, which sits in the Baltic Sea, from which um, 
the Nazis launched their V2, was it V2 rockets that fell on uh, London uh, towards the end of the Second World War. Um, it's a long, flat, straight stage on stage one, ending in Schwerin. And that entire stage is in Mecklenburg-Vorpommern, one of three different Bundesländer, as they're known. So um, uh, regions of Germany, uh, sorry, uh, one of... Th- Three of the four stages are in former East German territory. So mecklenburg vorpommern being one of them. Then there's a huge transfer. transfer, And the next stage starts uh, relatively close to Dresden. It starts in Zangerhausen in Sachsen-Anhalt, crosses the border into Thüringen for a finish in Ilmenau with a little bit of a climb before the end with bonus seconds on it as well. And then a set, very similar looking stage is stage three as we go from Thüringen into uh, Bayern or Bavaria uh, for a finish in Erlangen. And again, there's a little bit of a climb to Towards the end, and then there's a much flatter looking stage that finishes the following day into Nuremberg, which is a beautiful and very interesting place. And that's also in Bavaria, not far actually from Erlangen. Um, but if you look historically at this race, it's been um, it's been one. So it's been raced twice since it's had a sort of ten year pause, um, and it's been won by very small margins. Uh, small margins indeed. So with the bonus seconds on the line and the fact that it favours mostly sprinters, um, it's going to be tight, I think, the GC all, all the way to the end. And interestingly, even though his Lotto Sudal team are not represented at the race, uh, John Dagenkolb, remember him? I'm almost forgotten forgotten about him, but he's actually racing, but he's racing for the German national team. Um, but if he's going well, Dagenkolb, it's the kind of course... Uh, which could suit him. From a British perspective, Mark Cavendish is racing for uh, for De Koenig Quickstep. And uh, so too, weirdly, is Chris Froome. Um, and it actually, he looks like a bit of a sort of fish out of water, given that there's no big climbs or time trials, uh, Chris Froome, on this, on this edition of the race. But actually, the rest of his... Israel Startup Nation team are, um, are pretty powerfully composed and might go might go quite well actually with Andre Greipel being their probably their their leader. So that's it. And as I can see, Ross is um, all on his own, nodding away, and David's literally left the room. So uh, David has left the room. So bored uh, by my little, yeah, yeah. I don't think that well, was an indictment you know. on what he thinks the uh, tour of Deutschland is going to be. I think he's actually so excited he's had to leave in anticipation. Yeah, because he can't contain yeah, himself. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we'll, we'll, we'll probably call it a day now, Ross. Thanks for, you know, thanks for your part in this. Just remind, remind them again what they've got to do if they want a 20% off. Yes. So if you would like a 20% off on chapter3.com or the roadbook, roadbook.co.uk, head to site, put whatever goodness you want in your basket. And then when you get to checkout, use the code NSF. Just three letters, simple as that, right. gets you 20% off. And uh, tune in to the episodes that we've got coming from the Deutschland Tour, from the Tour of Britain, uh, because we'll be uh, revealing the grand prize, uh, which is going to be via signing up to our newsletters. All right, Ross, you, look, look D- David's life is chaos at the moment. Make sure that he's, he's flipping well in touch with me and ready to podcast on Thursday morning as we do the morning show from Germany. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>